Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. I think it's important to talk about how the recovery and healing process from the pandemic is going to look different depending on where you live in the Bay. Because many areas, like neighborhoods in East San Jose, needed help well before the pandemic, and they'll need a lot more help after, too. We can't keep doing this. Our people are not disposable. I know everyone's trying their best, and yet we continue to die in East San Jose. Today, what it's been like in the hardest hit parts of the Bay Area, and what people in the community are doing to help each other survive. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. I wanted to look at what's happening in the most impacted areas of Santa Clara County, which is the county that has experienced the largest number of deaths and also has some of the, you know, highest numbers of people who've gotten sick from this virus. Frida Javala Romero is a reporter for KQED. Within Santa Clara County, A lot of these deaths and infections are concentrated largely in East San Jose. There are four zip codes that consistently show up at the top of those lists. 
It's 95166-95122-95127-95121. And those are zip codes that are next to each other. I mean, there's more than one in 10 people in some of these zip codes that have been infected with COVID. These areas are working class, uh, a lot of immigrants live there, and then predominantly Latino, but there's parts of those neighborhoods that are also, you know, have a, a very large Asian population, mostly Vietnamese. This should not have been a surprise to anyone. Maritza Maldonado grew up in the Mayfair neighborhood, which is in the zip code that has had the most deaths due to COVID-19, that's 95116. Like in these four zip codes that we talked about, uh, there's a lot of poverty. A lot of people are also, you know, may also be undocumented and don't have the same access to healthcare. Uh, people are struggling to pay to afford rents, and so they live, uh, you know, in crowded housing. Um, there's also multi-generational housing. And then, like, a really important factor that we've seen elsewhere, too, for uh, people who are at high risk of uh, contracting the virus is there's a lot of essential workers there who just have to leave their house to work. Are your cooks we are your your gardeners, we are your custodians, we are your bus drivers, all of those things. At one point where I was hearing people in, in very wealthy areas of our county just say, we want our cafes open and we want our, our restaurants open. Yeah, you do, <laughs> because you're not dying. Maritza Maldonado, she not only grew up there, she continues to work there as the head of this nonprofit that provides um, immigration legal, you know, aid, low-cost services, um, uh, health services, is trying to improve education in the area. And now during the pandemic has um, provided a lot of financial assistance to local families that are struggling to pay uh, you know, the basics uh, that owe uh, rent that can't afford funeral services. You know, we were hearing from people dying several people a week. Um, and these are people that we know, our neighbors, our, our church people. I mean, she herself lost a sister to COVID. My sister uh, is named, uh, was named Miriam Maldonado Magaña. And Miriam lived in another one of the zip codes that uh, I focused on for the story. It's 95127. Um, and so Miriam was uh, a retired county social worker. She also worked as a school teacher. What I didn't tell you is Miriam came back to teach ESL and citizenship here um, at Amigos de Guadalupe. And uh, she was known as La Maestra. And um, our, uh, we have a wall that she called uh, El Muro de, de, uh, de Fama, where she has, every year she put uh, up her uh, students that had become citizens. She used to be an advocate for a lot of people who, who live there uh, when families were calling uh, Maritza's nonprofit, which is called Amigos de Guadalupe, 
um, when people were calling and saying like, hey, we're hungry, we don't know where we can get food, can you help us? Medium immediately wanted to go help them and that she volunteered distributing food to, to needy people. And Maritza says that's how they think she got COVID-19. You know, she was a fixture in this community. Um, and, um, you know, my sister died um, giving food out to families. She was 66 when she died. Uh, she spent weeks uh, hospitalized and she died on May 4th. Maritza says that that was, you know, shortly before one of uh, Miriam's daughters graduated from college. And unfortunately, her mom was not there uh, to see that. And, you know, what what we have valued in our family is, is education. It's something that has broken the cycle of poverty for me uh, and my siblings. And, um, and there were moments... Uh, like that, um, that are very difficult for them and difficult for us as a family. I just feel like there's so much grief happening right now, especially in the neighborhoods that are the hardest hit by COVID. How is the community responding? Yes. Uh, Father Hugo Rojas is the pastor at Our Lady of Refuge Church, which is also in one of these four zip codes at 95122. Um, that zip code, by the way, has the highest uh, cumulative number of COVID-19 cases um, in the county. Each one of us is the answer for a neighbor uh, sufferings. I met Father Rojas at his church. He told me that uh, his church hosts this really large uh, food distribution uh, event that happens every Tuesday uh, in the parking lot of the church. Actually, it's around 600, 700, 800 people coming every Tuesday. Uh, everybody knows that uh, many families lost jobs or they need to move out to another cities. Uh, because of COVID-19 pandemic. He said that for his parish, for his church, it's just, uh, he said they're overwhelmed by the uh, number of requests for funeral services. Uh, we are doing two, three, and sometimes four funeral masses uh, per week, on weekdays, sometimes on Saturday. All of their services are outdoors, but if people are sick or, you know, they're worried about the high transmission rate or just very vulnerable, elderly, they, they can't gather. And I love many families, for example, who don't even, they just receive the ashes after weeks. I mean, they cannot even see the body. They cannot even pray in front of them. They just offer prayers from home or they watch a virtual memorial mass or funeral mass. Uh, they pray, they do it with faith, but, but it's not the same, of course. He sees this enormous emotional need, you know, for people who, are, who lose a loved one, bury them, and then go home and they're alone. So he said, yeah, people need a lot of 
a lot of consolation. The people need someone to listen to them, to talk to them, to visit them, or just talk by phone, uh, but someone to be in touch. That is what I mainly uh, notice on, on families. Well, I mean, I, 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 it's like emotional need, but then there's also just this this basic need too, right? And that he's trying to provide at the same time. And it, it, it just goes to show how much need in general there is in, in these neighborhoods. And I feel like it would make sense that, you know, local governments would be paying more attention to these neighborhoods and sending more help to this part of the Bay Area. So what are local governments doing to respond? So the county is really focused um, right now on making sure access to the vaccine is equitable. From the beginning of this pandemic, we have worked uh, as a county and together with our partners to address the disparities that we see in East San Jose and the zip codes that you've outlined. Dr. Rocio Luna is deputy director at the Santa Clara County Public Health Department. She's doing a lot of work uh, trying to make sure that lack of internet access or reducing those barriers and helping people uh, get the vaccine. We have also now with vaccination really leaned in and worked uh, again with communities um, in these areas to identify how to bring vaccine closer. She and other officials in the county uh, have been trying to uh, not only get the message out uh, in a way that people will, you know, believe it and <laughs> understand mm-hmm, it, you know, mm-hmm. in their language. Trust, yeah. Yeah, totally. with trust. Uh, but uh, they're also, you know, like they've opened uh, pop-up vaccination uh, sites, so, sort of like mobile teams in, in East San Jose, but in other areas that have been super impacted, like Gilroy. So they're, they're trying to do stuff like that to make sure the vaccine gets to those areas. So it sounds like there's all this on-the-ground work to try to make sure that people get the vaccine. But on top of that, there's all this other systemic inequities and inequalities playing out in these zip codes that were already there before the pandemic. So what did people who you talk to say that they need most right now? They need a huge level of support. Maritza Maldonado, for example, when I spoke with her, actually, she was sort of like double tasking because um, she was like signing checks. You know, she had like a bunch of like folders stacked up on her desk. You caught me uh, writing out checks. Um, Our little agency gave out close to a half a million dollars of financial and rental assistance just in the month of December. Looking at the big picture, East San Jose is just so close to these multi-billion dollar companies and tech. That's the level of assistance we need from these companies. They've helped out through Destination Home, and our county has stepped up in a, in a real different way. Um, it's just not enough. No, this is, you know, it's going to take all of us. I mean, the people that live in East San Jose have helped Silicon Valley grow and become one of the wealthiest, you know, parts of the country in a way. But but they're still, you know, not not part of that. I would want and challenge them, what are they doing to invest in communities such as 
as Mayfair and 95116 and 27 and 22 uh, that make up San Jose. It's basically been a year since the first sheltering in place orders happened. And, and, and we've known that neighborhoods like the ones in East San Jose with, you know, a lot of essential workers, a lot of immigrants have been vulnerable this whole time. So what do you think is the most important thing about this story right now? It just feels like the toll has just been so much deeper for these communities uh, that we're already struggling in the Bay Area to make it. And it may be an opportunity to rethink how we support and how we integrate and how we help get rid of these disparities so that so that we're all more resilient, right? And better off as a as a region. There's so much more that governments and corporations could be doing. But Frida says there are also ways that people are stepping up to help out. Some are donating money or volunteering at a food bank, which is what she saw people doing during this reporting. You know, uh, a lot of those folks are from like wealthier areas and they just felt like they wanted to do something. So I feel like there's there's always something we can do uh, if we want to and if we have the bandwidth. If you have or currently do volunteer, Let us know whether your group needs help so that other people can know more about the opportunities that exist. You can make that public by tweeting at us at the Bay KQED. Frida Javala Romero is a reporter for KQED. This episode was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara, myself, and our editor, Alan Montecilio. The Bay is local news to keep you rooted. I'm Devin Kadayama. That's it from us. Talk to you next time. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.